Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership Podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership Podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show today. We're going to be discussing Monday's interview with Jason Clayton, who works with college students to help them figure out their purpose and their calling in life. Joining me back in the studio today to discuss the interview are my friends and fellow leaders, Andrew Fahrenbacher, Daniel Schwartz, and Michelle Mahalko. So what did y'all think about the interview on Monday? You know, I only wish I had this sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, definitely very much in the boat that he was describing, you know, recently, freshly graduated from college, kind of trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And so I found this, I mean, incredibly relevant to where I am now. Yeah. So Daniel, it's nice to know that someone like Jason spent a couple of years out of college before he really started figuring out what he wanted to do. And now he's been on that track for, for years. Exactly. I mean, the whole occupational therapist route that he had to go through to kind of figure out where he actually wanted to be. I find myself in a, in a very similar position. Andrew, any thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was very raw and honest, which I really appreciated. I think a lot of students feel afraid to voice that they may be having some doubts in their initial majors or degrees that they embark on. So I thought that his realness uh, was something that uh, that definitely captured his audience a little bit and, and made it very applicable to college students today. Michelle, what did you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's great that he works specifically with students, helping them to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. But also his example is a great example that it's okay to change our minds and that's bound to happen at some point in our lives. I think a lot of people change their minds or do different careers at different points in their lives. Yeah, I had a couple questions, I guess, listening to the interview and then now talking with a number of people who are either you know between two and five years out of college, I'm, I'm wondering how many of you are actually doing something related to what you studied in college? Is that, have you followed the career path maybe that you would have expected or are you doing something different? For me, it's yes and no. My day job is very much a public relations job, which is what I majored in college. Uh, I'm an admissions counselor at Mississippi College in Clinton, Mississippi. And so basically what I do every day is help high school students decide uh, where to go to college, where to attend, and also what to major in. Uh, But then on the side, I also love to perform and sing. And so I've also developed a little bit of a side career doing something that I'm also passionate about. So yes and no, but my my main day job is very much in line with what I majored in college. And you did study music in college. I think it was on, on Monday that you were talking about how you regretted maybe not majoring in music. So it's still kind of connected to some of what you studied in college. Correct. Yes. And every single day when I show up to the theater or show up to do a gig, I still rely on the things that I learned in the classroom at MC in the music department as well. Michelle? No, I am not doing what I want to study in undergrad. I studied theater production and I thought that was my calling. I thought that was what I was going to be doing. And then through 
college, actually, I fell in love with residence life, which is what I'm doing now, but I didn't study it at the time. Now I am going back and getting a master's degree in this, but uh, no, definitely didn't plan on it. And we'll probably touch on this later, but one of the things Jason talked about is getting a broad education that's beyond just what you're studying. And I would say that being a resident assistant is something that is educational in some degree. We don't think of it as, you know, educational all the time because it's not classroom related. But the truth is you learn a whole lot by having to interact and lead with students. Oh, absolutely. I would say that for my undergrad degree, too. In theater, theater is a study of life, really. Um, So I did develop a lot of things like communication skills, things like that, yeah. that I probably wouldn't have gotten in a, in one way or another. And Daniel, you kind of addressed this already, but right. what's your answer? Yeah. So, so no, I, uh, I studied international trade at undergrad and I realized not, uh, I loved college, not trying to throw my college under the bus, but the program I graduated with taught me nothing about the mechanics of an international trade job. Um, so kind of graduated, realized that and I was like, all right. So I had a door open to me, uh, in commercial real estate. And so I decided to go that route. It's a great job. Not at all what I want to do with my life, but it's good for now. Um, and I met just recently with, uh, kind of what you're saying about, uh, skills there being transferable. I met recently with someone from the Mississippi development authority, which is uh, very much a job I would love to have. You know, it's, um, international trade day in and day out their bread and butter and he looked at me and he said, don't, don't discount the things that you're learning right now, wherever you are. And so you might have a job that's totally unrelated to what you want to do, but you're definitely learning something there. And you're learning some skill that you can either A, sell to someone else and market as, hey, I, can know how, I know how to do this. This is applicable to something besides just what I'm doing right now. Or B, you can actually take that to, to your next job to leverage that. So to that end, I feel like there are a lot of people who are in the same boat as you, for instance, Daniel, Michelle, who study something in college, but don't necessarily go down that path. I'm wondering, did any of you in college take advantage of the type of services that Jason and others like him offer when you were an undergrad? No, I didn't. And it was something that was actually required for my grade in one class in particular. And I would actually dodge going wow. and just take okay. the point deduction because I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want somebody to tell me what I thought I already knew of myself. Sure. Mm. So, but in hindsight, I think it would have been helpful just to talk through a pro- with a professional who's looking on the outside, doesn't necessarily know what my degree is in, but can hear my gifts and kind of point me in the right direction. Yeah, and that goes back to a little bit of what Jason said. I I was asking him, are students asking the right questions? questions when they come to you. And I, I expect, you know, like some are, some not. And he said, no, not really. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing that as a college student, I wouldn't have wanted to hear. And I probably wouldn't want to hear that now. But the truth is, I think we all know that there are a lot of things that we don't know. Right. And it's, it's important to be humble in the process and realize that you still have a lot to learn no matter how old you are. And so I think it's good to to remember that and just realize that there are people along our paths that can help us out, and we need to be open to that, whether we're in college or beyond. And to that point, uh, I think you're exactly right. Just saying that you don't know, just uttering those simple words can sometimes lead you to discovering some very, very important things in a very short amount of time, just being able to admit that you don't know everything and you need some help. Yeah. Did you ever do anything like that in college, Andrew? Any, any Get any advice from people who were able to coach you along and help you think about what the future would look like? 
Yes, absolutely. I had, was very grateful for some awesome professors, uh, as well as our career services department. Uh, the career services department at my school uh, was really, really great about working with students on their resumes. So I had no idea how to put together a resume. I typed up what I thought one looked like. I think I went to Google Images and copied the first one I saw and went. And the lady that worked there helped me reformat it. She helped me with typos. It was uh, very, very helpful when it came time, you know, into senior year to start applying for jobs. And then when I was, as I mentioned earlier, when I was trying to decide what direction I wanted to go with music and performing and what that looked like, I went to every single theater and music professor at school just to ask them, hey, am I stupid for wanting to do this? And if not, what do I do? And their responses were incredibly helpful. So not only using the career services department, but also the professors in their respective fields was very, very helpful to me during my time as well. And I will say one of the reasons I wanted to do this interview is because I know how important these services can be. I, I went in my, my last semester of my senior year kind of for some of those resume purposes and mm-hmm. things like that, but I found it super helpful. And the truth is, if I had started when I was a freshman or a sophomore, Yes. And really was thinking a lot more strategically than who knows what could have what could have happened. But I think I would have been a lot more prepared and thinking in a more future focused way. I was going to add to your point about asking the right questions. I have a friend actually recently who she opened up to me that she's a junior in college undergrad and she has no idea what she wants to major in. She's been taking classes because it was the natural thing to do. And she has a couple minors, but she feels she doesn't have a direction right now. So I started asking her some questions of her interests, how she's using her talents and things like that. And um, I started to see a couple themes in what she was responding because right now she's on the fence between doing something medical, but she's very artistically inclined. And so every time I'd ask her things, she'd be like, well, if I started my own counseling center, I could renovate the space to look really cool and inviting. And a couple of the, the questions I asked, she had that same kind of response of creating an an environment or talking to people or um, being artistic in some way. And I told her, I said, hey, do you see this theme in what you're telling me? They're all artistically inclined. Hmm. They all have to do with wanting to help people. Those are the things you should be looking at. Don't put yourself in a program. Like I think she was looking at doing biology, but when I asked her about that, she was like, oh, I can't imagine doing that for the rest of my life. I can't imagine having to do a nine to five job researching, things like that. So I think it's good to have people in your life who can ask you questions and who can kind of point out those interests in you and point out those things that you're really good at and say, hey, you do this pretty consistently. Why don't you do that? And I should add to this whole conversation, it's worth noting that not everyone may choose to go to college and that's fine as well. But if you're going to be going, figure out how to make the most of your time. There are a lot of other things you can learn beyond the classroom setting. But if you're going to be spending four years and paying thousands or tens of thousands of dollars, make sure you're getting the most out of the experience that you're set up for success for Mm -hmm. the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were just talking about uh, community, having people in your life that can ask you questions about your future, your vision, where you're going, um, kind of notice those themes of what you're saying. And it made me think about how he pointed out in the interview the uniqueness of the college community, the college environment, that this is the only time in your life where you are living with a bunch of other 18 to 22-year-olds that are all studying something, and you're, you're just soaked in that community. And I think, on one hand, I realized that in college, and it made me kind of well, oh, I want to take advantage of this community while I have it. Not learning how to plug into community outside of it, like he was talking about getting involved in a church or finding community somewhere else um, outside of 
college and doing that sooner rather than later. I'm kind of curious about, about everyone's experience, kind of if you felt that same thing going through college, if you wish you would have plugged in more outside of college, kind of how you navigated that. Yeah. So I will say that most of my experience was college focused. Now, it wasn't just people living on my hall or people in my classes. I had extracurriculars that I was involved with, but still it was primarily college students who were in it. And now that I'm outside of college, I can see the benefit of having other generations around you, both older and younger. That's one thing. I come from a large family. And so spending four years where you don't really have any younger kids around it, it's just a little bit different. You get used to it, of course, but it's nice to have generations around you. And I didn't do the best job of that. And I was kind of, my schedule was such that I was not able to participate in other things just because I was so busy with college stuff. So you have, you have to find that balance between is my life college or is my life something that is a little bit more robust and with more relationships? Exactly. I'm a big believer in blooming where you're planted. So I think there there is something to be said for taking advantage of these four years, these four unique years to get maybe even a little over-involved in where you're at. I also was very involved in college and was more college-focused, and as a result was not able to get involved as heavily, say, in an outside church or other organizations outside of college. But I only had four years to really invest, to have so many resources right at my fingertips. Yeah, And so I'm glad I did. That being said, you are surrounded by so many 18 to 22-year-olds, but you're also surrounded by so many professors who are experts in their respective fields. And so I don't think that college students utilize those, those resources uh, as much as they should, whether that's going to career services or going to their professors or using the, the staff that works on campus for advice or for guidance or just for a cup of coffee. So if you feel like that you are perhaps uh, missing out on getting involved outside of college, look to some of the people who are right there on your campus. That's a good word. I would say, too, I felt that need of needing a a different generation around me or multiple generations around me. So I picked a church that college students weren't the primary audience. And I loved that. I did that intentionally because I wanted to be around a lot of kids or I wanted to be around uh, grandparents, you know, but I I didn't make enough time to invest in those relationships. And I think I felt a little out of place trying to seek them out. So if you are somebody who's an older generation and you see college students in your church, I would definitely encourage you to initiate some of those relationships because we definitely could use those, especially for those students who, like in my case, were from out of town and didn't have a lot of connections, didn't have family there. Definitely seek out relationships with those college students because we would appreciate it. So I went to this church for a couple of years in college. They had they had a good ministry for college students, but there were also a lot of other people at the church that didn't really remember us, I guess. And so, but there was this one guy who was very welcoming, but we just would hear the same stories from him every time this guy, (laughs) and he'd always come up and talk about, Hey, when I was in college, we used to get invited to people's houses for, for meals and things like that. And they'd always ask us, you know, do we want the leftovers? And you know, we never have anything to take the leftovers home in. And so he said he started carrying a little Tupperware bin in the back (laughs) of his car. So if people ever said, Hey, you want to take some leftovers? He'd say, let me check in my car to see if I have anything that I can put them in. And uh, so that we heard that story probably about a dozen times. But I really appreciated that people were at least willing to come up and, and help us to, to feel welcomed. So I want to kind of switch for a second. Jason talked a lot about experience and the importance of gaining experience while you're in college. So did any of you have internships in college? 
Uh, if one was re required, did you do more than that one required internship? Also, did you have summer jobs? And if so, did they relate to your major or were they just a way to make money? Yeah, I, uh, I did all of the above, actually. Uh, <laughs> I had various jobs all through college, various summer jobs. Um, I don't think any of them really connected to what I was studying. Uh, most of them were a way to pay for things as I went through college. I worked um, as a sound engineer, paid my way through through college that way during the school year, had other jobs during the summer. Um, and I will say, even though they didn't connect directly to my major, explicitly to my major, that I did learn a lot from that, that it was very grounding to have that sort of experience while I was still in college, while I still had kind of the safety net to fall back on of, well, I have a dorm room that's paid for for the semester and a, and a cafeteria to eat in, you know, if things get really scrappy, I can, I can survive, you know? And so that was a good time to kind of feel things out and experiment with different opportunities. I also did all of the above, but you know what? Looking back, I think I should have focused more on jobs that were related to what I was studying or what I had interests in or take more opportunities to have experiences that I can't have as easily outside of undergrad, for example, traveling more or taking jobs abroad, things like that. Because I look back and I did some summer camp jobs and they were great. I really did enjoy those experiences. But even my internship paid me more than, than those summer jobs. And I wish I had known that in hindsight, that if I did some more looking around for those jobs that fit my interest or fit what I wanted to experience at the time, I could find those opportunities. Yeah. Looking back, I see I see them all the time, internships that are abroad and that pay pretty well. And I tell students all the time when they ask me, should I start? They're sophomores in college and they're in a biomed program and they ask me if they should go ahead and jump into an internship. I say, well, you're still young. Why don't you look at something abroad or look at something that would be complementary to your interests? So for me, also all of the above, I started working out at McAllister's Deli, which I think it benefits anyone to work in food because that is a very difficult job. But throughout the rest of my time in college, I had two jobs that really can, that I use today. I worked as a social media manager for a newspaper, the Clinton Courier. So I use that today when I'm posting on Instagram on our Mississippi College admissions page. I use the skills that I learned there. That was a really, really interesting job. I also was the student director for orientation at Mississippi College, and I got to work in the admissions office, which now is the place that I work every single day. But I think the most important job I had in college was an internship with the Mississippi Secretary of State, Delbert Hoseman. And the reason to me that it was the most important job was because I was on the fence about potentially wanting to work in the government. And that showed me that I did not personally want to. <laughs> and, uh, and that's no slap in the face to our government or the people who work there, because obviously we need great people in the government. But for me personally, I found out through that job that that was not the degree path or the career path rather that I wanted to go to. And I think that's just as important as figuring out what you do want to do. And I'm super glad that you mentioned that because I will say I did a number of things throughout my summers. The summer after my freshman year, I just kind of came back here and worked for a school and cut grass for them. So did, you know, maintenance crew and stuff like that. The summer between my junior and senior year of college, I went to Uganda for about six to eight weeks. And I thought that that might be a place that I would end up. And as much as I loved the experience, as much as I enjoyed it, I could tell that that was not what I was supposed to be doing. 
And I was kind of bummed about that because that would have been like a really enjoyable thing in a lot of ways. But it was a very clarifying experience. Great time. I still draw from things that I learned on that trip and through that experience. But it was very helpful to know that's not the direction that I need to be going with my life. It was very clarifying, very helpful to have that experience and to kind of keep me from going down a direction that probably would have been a mistake in the, in the long term. For sure. I also, this is a side note, I didn't know how to tie a tie before I worked at the Mississippi Secretary of State, and that's how I learned to tie a tie. So if nothing else, that internship taught me the skills I needed for for uh, business endeavors in the future, I guess. That's actually, so, that's, small thing. that's a very, kind of small thing, but very valid. I, my, my brother's roommate in college, my older brother, he did not know how to tie a tie. And so he had my brother tie a tie. And I think through most, if not all of his college career, he kept that tie and just loosened it and tightened it. Yes. And yes. That, that was, that was his experience. And so for guys who are going to college, who are listening to this, learn how to tie a tie and you will have success in your life. Absolutely. Moral of the story. So after listening to Jason, he mentioned one thing that really stuck out to me. He asked students how they're listening to their life. And so I just wanted to kind of pitch to, to y'all how do you listen to your life? And I guess, what do you think we should be telling college students when they're asking that question, when they're, when they're looking at what they should be doing with their time and where they should be headed with their future? I think the best way I've learned how to do that is to ask myself, what gives me energy? To look back on experiences that I've had and, and say, what has really energized me? There's a lot of different ways you can phrase that and frame that question. You know, what makes you happy? What do you like doing? But I like that, that idea of energy because... You might have heard it say, like, you only have a certain number of days, your day, you know, you only have a certain amount of time in your life uh, to accomplish what you want to accomplish. But I think really the better thing to measure is is energy because time is fixed. You, you have the time that you do and you can't change that, but you can change your energy. You can leverage the energy that you do have more effectively and you can find those things, seek out those things, those activities, those people, those life situations and circumstances. Uh, for instance, I didn't realize until recently I always kind of viewed myself as an introvert, but it's because I really don't like small talk. I actually do really love being with people in a meaningful way, and that does give me energy. So seeking out those opportunities in my job, my career, where I can move more towards what, what's giving me those meaningful interactions. To add to that, I would say also look at the things that you do. And I heard this quote once that I don't know where I heard it, um, but someone said, Look at your life. Look at the things that you're doing. What would you do for free? Do that. You know, mm, consider mm. the things that you love and your passions. And if you had to do one thing for free your whole life and you would do it, pursue that. And I will say, I think listening to your life, what it requires is that you're able to look back. And sometimes when you're in the middle of something, you're not able to have the full perspective that you need. And I will say that I think my life, just like a lot of others, has led a maybe less traditional, you don't graduate college and go into a specific role. But I do think that as I have aged, I can look back and things become clearer. And as you go along, I've talked about this before, my approach in life is really to just prepare as much as possible, be in the ready position and take opportunities as they come along. You know, some people know what they want to do with their lives and they go down one track for most of their lives. And as much as we get fed that story, I don't think that's most people. Hmm. And so I think it's important to look back on your life and kind of learn from that. But at the same time, realize that your life is still a work in progress. And in two years and five years, you'll look back and be able to understand more fully than you did 
when you were originally looking. But we need to go ahead and turn to our key takeaways for the day. So as you think back to what Jason shared with us, what would you say are the most important things that you would want to leave listeners with? Daniel, how about you? Yeah, so I had I had two main takeaways. And the first is exactly what he said, live into who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. And the second is that you don't have to be good at everything. Frankly, it's impossible. And I think as leaders, we don't need to be good at everything. We can surround ourselves with people that can can do what we can't. Yeah. Andrew? So I also had two main takeaways. I think that for college students, practicality is a great thing, but you should still pursue your passions. I think that we have a tendency to make practicality a little bit of an idol, and uh, we put all of our safety in that. And typically what I found watching students is you can usually find an element of practicality in your passion. That being said, find the passions that you have and then match a career field to that. Don't do it the other way around. For example, I I meet a ton of students who come in biology pre-med and the reason that they really want to do that is because they just want to truly help people but they just don't know about all the other awesome career fields that allow you to help people. And so instead of coming in saying, well, I'm biology pre-med and then realizing that you hate chemistry and then going down a path where you are miserable, sit down, go to someone, ask for help and find all of the jobs in a variety of fields that allow you to do what you want to do, which is to help people. And from that, I think you can then find the career path that you need to go down. Michelle, how about you? Yeah, I would say listen to your life. Definitely look at what you're doing with your life or your interests and let that kind of speak for itself. But also seek out input from people who know you. And then I think another takeaway for me, we didn't talk about this as much, but we should always be lifelong learners and Mm -hmm. allow our different experiences to shape us and continue learning because I don't think it stops when you finish your degree. It continues and you should constantly be seeking out new opportunities, new ways to express your interests and let that kind of mold itself. Yeah. And I I have three takeaways. First of all, and this has kind of been spoken to a little bit already, but think about how your life is giving you clues as to what you should be doing. And that could be long-term or just your next step in life. Second, become a generalist in order to be successful in our fast-paced world. So know a lot about your area of study, but also make sure that you don't just limit yourself to a few areas of knowledge and become really good at those. Know a lot about a lot of different things, and you'll be able to more easily adapt. And finally, take advantage of the free resources that will set you up for success after college. You have someone like Jason at your school So go ahead and take advantage of that. And don't just wait until your final semester of your senior year. Take advantage of it as a freshman or a sophomore, and you will have a better idea of what your future could look like. Don't take the point deductions. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It's not worth it. Well, Daniel, Andrew, Michelle, thank you so much for joining the show this week. Thanks Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, share this week's interview with someone you think could benefit from it. Or three, give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All three of these actions will make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time, keep living 
and leading well. Thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well. Well.